This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to an extra scary Halloween edition of Draft Stickos. I am Maxwell Baumbach, and this is the show where we cover everybody from the biggest names to the deepest sleepers. And I am joined by the real star of the show, Stephen Gillespie. Stephen, how are you doing today? I'm feeling spooky, man. It's scary season mm-hmm. out here, but uh, I'm feeling good, man. Excited to be back. Uh, had a had a nice, fun week where I didn't have to travel, which was really nice. Nice, and, uh, yeah. Back. Yeah, so uh, things are good, man. How about you? How's everything going in Maxwell Manor? Oh, it's going good. Going good. Can't complain too much. Had a had a nice little uh, weekend here, building up to uh, all the Halloween festivities. Uh, daughter got to put on her uh, her pink dino costume for a little trunk or treat oh, action because it's gonna the weather's gonna stink here on mm. uh, on on actual Halloween. So we're looking at like thirty one degrees and rainy uh, for for yeah. Halloween proper. So. Had to get a little bit of that in and uh, early. She liked it. I mean, she's two. So this is like her first year kind of being aware of what's going on. But she had a good time. So <laughs> it was good. It was good. Uh, and then she was jumping in leaf piles later. Uh, got Did some of that classic fall activity. And when she jumped in the leaf pile, she said that she was jumping like Santa Claus, which was a, uh, a, a new phrase. I never heard that before. Wasn't aware that Santa Claus was like a real above the rim kind of athlete. <laughs> but you learn you learn something new every, every day. So uh, before we get into our main topic of discussion, which is going to be the top returners. So we are mm-hmm. starting to get to guys that we've, we've kind of seen a little bit in college uh, already. And we're going to see what is ahead for them. We want to talk about No Ceilings Plus. So we launched yeah. No Ceilings Plus this week on uh, NoCeilingsNBA.com. And what No Ceilings Plus is going to be, it's going to be a premium tier for our subscribers. So if you like No Ceilings 
and you've been getting you know our free stuff Monday through Friday, the Listener Podcast, that's great. None of that's going to change. You're still going to get every single thing you've been getting before. There is not a single thing that is being taken away from you and moved behind a paywall. Um, but No Things Plus has a lot of sick stuff on it. So, for example, if you sign up for No Things Plus, you get our free preseason draft guide. Uh, where our entire staff worked together, uh, covered over 60 players, 23,000 words. Uh, it's only $8 a month. So if you sign up, you're going to get that draft guide right away. Uh, we're going to have uh, a private Discord. If you join No Sins Plus, we're going to have exclusive content. I have an article coming out on No Sins Plus this week. It's a bonus article. It's, by the time this is already up on the podcast feed, people will know, so I'll spoil it. More stones unturned going up mm. on No Ceilings Plus. Uh, we're going to cover NBA players, young NBA players in their career and their development, all sorts of just new, exciting projects. I've got a few other things in the works. Um, personally, I know our whole team is kind of brainstorming different ideas and things that we're going to do uh, for No Sins Plus. So if you are interested in getting more NBA draft content, NBA player development content, um, our preseason draft guide. Uh, access to the No Ceilings team, or if you just want to support the work that we've done. Even if you say, hey, that's all great. I'm I'm good. I like the free content, but I'd like to support you guys and make it a little easier when you guys want to travel and, and go to events and go to see things in person. If I can support that, make sure the staff can get compensated, things like that, go right ahead. Sign up. It's no no skin off our back. If you don't want to read the extra content, but you just want to give us eight bucks a month or $80 for the full year, it's even cheaper. So no ceilings plus Steven, anything you want to add on that front? Yeah, it's always weird, man. Uh, in, in these situations, because we're excited about everything that we have going on. Right. And, uh, we're, we're turning, uh, what we're doing and we're having a more forward thinking company mindset. Right. And with that, there's, um, certain things that come along with that. Right. And, uh, it's it's something that we have deliberated on quite a bit because it is a big step, right? To go from just being solely free. And we're still, like you mentioned, we're keeping everything that has been free will be free and it will stay that way, right? But this bonus, bonus content, it, it takes a lot of our time. You know, Maxwell, you and I both have families where we're mm-hmm. married and we have kids. Yep. Uh, my wife has been incredibly supportive through all of this and has allowed <laughs> me to drive in the past you know month like 13 hours just to go in and scout players right and i don't get compensated for that so mm-hmm. you know it's the the support that we get from our no sailings community it's it circulates back to you guys because you guys are getting content that you just you're not getting everywhere else and i don't have to explain that because our our fan base is expansive everywhere every time i go somewhere i meet somebody who's like oh shit, you're with no ceilings like yeah so it's that that's pretty cool. And I take great pride in that. So our fan base is phenomenal. Uh, we just want to keep pumping out incredible content. And the more that we do, the more we just want to continue to work harder, put in that work and uh, just give it all back to you guys. So uh, any yeah, support that think, you guys can give us, it's great. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's like a big thing. Like when we are like we had guys last year, like took off work, paid a bunch of travel money, things like that to go to hoop summit. Like, we are yeah. not, uh, you know, a lot of people see, you know, we're, <laughs> you know, we're, we're growing in terms of, of connection and understanding and recognition within the basketball world, but that's us taking, uh, taking a haircut financially. You know what I mean? It's so like, so that's, yeah. that's a big thing. Uh, if, if you guys can kind of get us to a point where we're able to do more of that stuff, 
and not have our, you know, our wives be upset when we're, uh, when we're traveling for <laughs> basketball and things like that. That's, that's huge for us. Like legitimately, it will make a world of difference for us and the amount of things that we're able to do and, and just kind of grow our reach and, and what we're able to offer on the free side. Um, just by virtue of, of getting some more kind of money in the coffers and, and being able to do that sort of thing. So definitely, definitely consider supporting. Um, it would, it would mean the world to us. So now that we have that out of the way, let's get to our, Oh, and by the way, the preseason draft guide is great. Uh, oh, really, really dude. Happy. Yeah. Crushed it out. So, yep. Yeah. So 64 players get ready for the year. And like the thing that was really cool was this year, like we kind of adjusted on the fly. Like there were guys that we didn't have in there that were like, you know what? We got to add this guy. This guy's already playing. They're looking really good. Like let's, let's get them in there. Like I know Ignacio stepped up on the international front. Cause there were some big surprises yeah. on the international side early. So big credit to Ignacio on that huge credit to Nick uh, for editing all of that. Um, Nick is like, been doing an insane amount of work and like is taking yep. on even more so massive massive credit to nick agar johnson uh really 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 does a lot behind the scenes for us so yeah uh let's get to top returners so all right out of the gate let's start off with riley kugel so this was a guy who was a late season breakout player kugel um had like a nice you know freshman year and then down the stretch edge averages 17.3 points per game on 49.6 percent shooting splits uh kugel at 65 207 got that kind of pro frame and pro body steven i'm gonna let you kind of lead off with riley kugel because he's a guy that i've, I've kind of gone back and forth on kind of curious as, as to where you're at headed in the view with him yeah i'm always kind of cautious with this type of player maxwell because you know in in studying the draft like all of us do um, here at No Ceilings and beyond, I think player archetypes are one of the things that, you know, the scouting community is fo- focusing in on a lot over the past few seasons. And I think Riley Kugel is one of these guys to where he's a little bit lower in terms of player archetype, right? He's not like this uh, jumbo creator. He's not like this six foot eight um, offensive hub, defensive stopper. He's not one of these malleable bigs like a Chet Holmgren or uh, you know what we're seeing now with Alex Sar. He's this traditional kind of six foot five, six foot six, uh, heavily. You know, would like to see more consistency, but he's one of these scoring first guards, right? And this would have been a home run hit in the early two thousands. You know, in the you know Kobe Bryant era, right? Getting a guy like O'Reilly Kugel, and now you see guys like Trey Mann come out in the league, and it's funny that you know Florida ties here, yeah. But you're starting to see players like that become less and less uh, in vogue. Even a guy like Jalen Green, who I was really high on when he was with the Ignite, still kind of struggling to adjust to the NBA and live up to that potential that he had coming into the year. So Kugel is the latest and greatest of this player archetype, which is still fighting for existence. And, you know, shout out to Anthony Edwards being one of these other types of, you know, archetypical four bears for Riley Kugel, right? But Kugel averaged almost 10 points last year, almost three boards, one assist, almost one steal, shot 46% from the floor, 38% from deep, only 66% from the free throw line. Maxwell, I know that that's a big deal for a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. He was 82nd percentile in catch and shoot, 77th in pick and roll ball handling, 57th in spot ups. He was also third at Florida in scoring, which is actually pretty impressive because of uh, – the 
beginning of the year, he wasn't a, an offensive focal point, but as the no. season progressed, he started taking on more and more responsibility. And the thing with him, the same thing that goes along with this player archetype is that super dynamic offensive creator has the handle, which I think is going to be under discussed in terms of, you know, other things like his scoring is going to be the biggest thing, like the shooting, the scoring, the the dynamic approach that he has to his game to shoot and get to the rim. Uh, The handle is actually pretty strong, right? There's other things that uh, I'll kind of leave to you for your breakdown of him that I think that it's going to be kind of the thing that chips away at his draft stock a little bit. Mm-hmm. But if he can continue Maxwell this year, what he left off with at the end of last season, this is going to be a guy that could shoot up the draft class, right? I have him within my top 10 already right now, but I'm well aware that there could be a false floor underneath him as the season progresses. <laughs> Yeah, so I I think there's some that I think it's interesting too because with Kugel, he's kind of all over boards, and we were kind of discussing in our group chat like what we're trying to read the tea leaves of like right now. It seems like a couple big mainstream publications have him as like a second round guy, and it seemed like at the end of last year, people talking about him like he could have gone lotto if he'd entered the draft. So like, where is the disconnect? What's going on? Is there something we don't know? I, I don't know. Um, I like how Google scores uh, a lot uh, from the perimeter, from the outside. Um, and I like that he gets to the rim at the very least. So as far as the shot goes, I know the free throw percentage is, is going to be scary to some people. I'm kind of buying it. I, I like how he's you know taking him from NBA range. The volume went up quite a bit toward the end of the year. I I do think he can shoot it. Um, I like the mid range stuff too. And like, he's a really good pull-up shooter. Like he was like, he didn't take a ton, but he was like 32% on pull-up threes, which for a young player is really good. Uh, Like 54% on mid range pull-ups, which is fantastic. Um, And then the other thing that I thought was really impressive with him is that even though the rim finishing was like, not good like i think he i'm pulling up this image right now he's like under 50 percent at the rim in the half court but um what he did well is that 37 percent of his shots in the half court came at the rim which is a really important indicator like just being able to pressure and get to the rim uh matters quite a bit uh and it's because you said that it's that handle it's that that big time i'm tyrese maxi kind of catch and go speed but being six five and 207 that that's a, a nice body to have that kind of quickness with I uh, got a good first step. Kind of lost your audio there, Maxwell. Yeah, still, still gone. Don't know what the issues is here, ladies and gentlemen. Having a little bit of uh, technical difficulties here for Maxwell. Uh, is this any better? Yeah. Yep. You're you're back. We got you back. Oh, and now you're gone. What on earth? Wait, nope. Uh, got you back. Yep, okay. you're there. You're Very there. strange. Very strange. So with Google, <laughs> I do think there's real three-level upside. I think he's got to work on his touch and angles and things like that at the basket. Um, and I think the other big step for him is like Chuck used this phrase, uh, like a not quite wing. Chuck at Chucking Darts on Twitter, friend of the program. Um yeah. Where it's like with Kugel, like he's six five, so he's not like short. He's got he's got some some burliness to him, but at that size, I feel like you really need that playmaking punch. And this was a guy that just didn't really have that last year, even during that big stretch. Uh, over the year, averaged one assist to one point five turnovers, 
has these moments as a passer where there's real creativity flashes and there's some functionality to it at the same time. But given his height in game, if he's not a bit more of a positive playmaker, I, I do think it puts a bit more of a ceiling on him. Um, yeah. Because then we're kind of just looking at a score. And I have some real concerns defensively, too. Uh, this is something that I know Evan has brought up among our, our crew before. He is often way too flat-footed and can quit way too easily on plays. And he doesn't really work too hard to contain the ball. I think he can be too narrow and like won't even attempt to, to slide or stay in front at times. Um, I think that the defense, if he can just be like, okay. And then if he can just like make plays for others more often, I I'd be really interested right now. I'm, I'm pretty interested. I think he's a first round guy, but not like super high on my board. Yeah. And again, I get the kind of polarization that he has to his game and, I would like to think with uh, Alex Fudge no longer being with the team, right? Uh, Colin Castleton no longer being mm-hmm. with the team, he would take on this leadership approach, right? And he would step up his defensive game. He's got other guys now on the team with Florida, um, adding some some pretty good transfers that both of us yeah. pre- like pretty decently, Maxwell. Hopefully now with the additional help that he has on the scoring front with this team, that he'd be able to step up a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball. He's got the athleticism. He's got the tools. I'm not necessarily a tools over technique guy, but sometimes Maxwell, when we get these guys with the athleticism, with the explosiveness to his game, uh, they can kind of coaching can kind of take a hold of their playing style and their philosophy a little bit, and then they'll improve on that front. We'll see. Like I said, I, I, the back end of my top 10 is very fluid. And I have him in about like that six through eight frame right now. And uh, I could easily see him sliding down. But the scoring punch that he gives to a team, I think is still very valuable. I think that we still see NBA teams value um, instant offensive uh, minded players. And mm-hmm. I think that he does have that to his game. I mean, even now. Yeah. With, yeah. I think I was to say, I think that's maybe where I am being like a little unfair to him is that he is going to bring that right away. And then the things that we talked about, like what tends to improve in guys in their second year, it's the game slowing down for him. It's yep. the playmaking. It's the the kind of little things that I that I'm complaining about. So maybe I should kind of hedge my bets a little bit more and bump them bump them up a little bit. Um, because yeah, I need to I like mean, actually put on my big boy pants and like finalize a real board this week. And he's a guy that I've like I've had really high. Like I've had him in the top ten at points and other times. So I get a, I get a little bit down on the archetype and yeah, I, I'm just. I'm a little confused as to where the playmaking is going to settle, really. If I can kind of uh, look into the future a little bit, I know this is more of Rowan's, uh, you know, his little area of expertise. If I can gaze into my crystal ball a little bit here, uh, I think that this class is going to be probably one where the archetype, not the player, is going to be assessed the most. And I'm Mm -hmm. already kind of starting to see it a little bit. Mm-hmm. where people are looking back on social media saying that they've missed on these players, that they've hit on these players. And because they missed on those guys, there might be the tendency to kind of overcorrect with the players that we have in the immediacy. So I'm kind of curious to see how that works out throughout the year, Maxwell. That's going to be one of the, the subplots, one of the storylines of the this mm-hmm. this draft class that I'm going to look at a lot is, are people buying the player or are they buying the archetype or are they selling on the player in the archetype? And I think Google yeah. is uh, going to be one of the forefront, you know, prospects within that uh, subplot that gets kind of dissected because of his player type. 
that's yeah that's a really interesting point and i think that is something to to monitor too because i think on one hand like archetype is really important like you don't want to draft a guy yeah. that is is playing a position or playing a role that is um, like quickly descending in value around the league way too high you don't want to do that but at the same time i think there's a real danger to like getting too cute with it and and drafting uh I'm trying to think just like drafting a guy based on the idea when yeah. like maybe the production isn't there or doesn't have a path to being there. And we have like a 2018 situation where you have a team like the bull seeing like, you know, Chandler Hutchinson, Chandler Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Being, oh, he's like big, he's long. He can like do a lot of things. Like he's malleable. Like this is what we want. And then you draft Chandler Hutchinson over a guy like Jalen Brunson, where it's just like, Oh man, in hindsight, you should just taken the guy that played at a big school and was really good at everything. Like that's the and even if he's small, like maybe that's what you should have done. So that's gonna be an interesting thing to monitor because there are there are always gonna be exceptions to the rule. Um, yep. and it's interesting to see if guys can can carve that out and truly be that. Um, let's move on to Donovan Klingen, who I think in some ways is kind of benefiting from that same trend that you're talking about of yeah, oh well, I missed on this archetype where we've seen um Walker Kessler, who is a guy that everyone was like, oh, he's he's a, a big who's not going to be super versatile defensively, sell, sell, sell. And I I was guilty of that. Um, and then even Mark Williams, like was a guy that a lot of people in that same class were Lauren. I was a lot higher on Mark Williams just because I loved the athletic tools. I had like a lottery grade on him still. Um, yeah. Those two guys were people that, uh, you know, people were really low on. And then you see Derek Lively this year already coming in and, and making an impact um guys that are really big (laughs) yeah and lively's different because he is really athletic right i think mark williams people really undersold how athletic he was like there were people that were like oh he's gonna get cooked in space at the nba level it's like and he was a returner so there's a you know you gotta knock him down a peg because yeah yeah yeah, return over a freshman yeah yeah but i think with walker kessler it's like really the one that we're looking at where like i think people were way too low on the idea of like just a really large man that isn't able to switch um Klingon is benefiting from that to some degree, but part of it is also just like, Hey, maybe we're correcting and not overcorrecting. Maybe this just is a really valuable player. Uh, Klingon is going to be back at UConn. He's seven foot two, 265 pounds, just a big, enormous guy who got into way better shape. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but going to last season, I always do like an RSCI 100 watch through. And when I got to Klingon, I was just kind of like, I don't see it. Like this guy's Mm. big, He's really slow. He's not in good shape. Maybe in a couple of years, like maybe this is a guy that will take a red shirt, maybe, you know, a couple of seasons will play himself into shape and then we'll come back to it. And he got into really good shape really quickly at UConn and was immediately the best bench player in the country on a team that won a national title. Uh, offensively, pretty much just a play finisher last year, but extremely effective at it. Um very, very efficient, knows where to roll um, after he sets a screen. He will never get bumped up his spot. Like no one is ever going to like intercept the path of Donovan Klingon and, and prevent him from getting where he wants. He's just going to plow through you. Um, and he's outstanding on the offensive glass. Had an offensive rebound percentage of 19.9 last year, which historically compared to other centers is outrageous. I think I had one other guy ahead of him in my database. Like in the last seven years, it's done that. I think it was Jared Vanderbilt who was, also kind of just in an energy role. So uh, that like blows out of the water what a lot of high-level offensive rebounders have done. 
big time screener makes really good contact on the overseas tours for UConn. He was taking a couple threes and making them. So that could be an yep. interesting thing to keep an eye on. If that comes along, the value I think really goes through the roof. Um, he didn't pass much last year, but I, I thought he had some moments as a passer. I really don't know where he's at with the ball though. Cause at times, like if he has put on the floor, he can look a little clunky. I don't know that he has anything from a face-up standpoint. I'd like to see him develop his angles as a screener. Like I tweeted about Yusuf Nurkic the other day and Nurkic is so good about knowing his own personnel and knowing, you know, Devin Booker wants to get downhill. So I'm going to set this screen behind the player. Durant wants to get out to the perimeter. So I'm going to set it above the player with Klingon. A lot of times he's just like setting a, a very like basic YMCA. I'm going right next to the man and screening, which for a guy like Andre Jackson, it's like, that doesn't really help him a ton. Like help get behind that guy and help Andre Jackson get downhill. For Jordan Hawkins, make sure you're setting it over the top, giving him giving him space, you know, from the three point line. That's something I'd like to see from him. Um, really good, good rim protector defensively and a big time shot blocker. Block rate over fourteen. Knows angles like he knows what he's doing. But if you drive into him, he's also just going to swallow you up. And he's not a total dud athletically. I think a lot of no. times if a guy is just really tall, people assume they stink athletically, and that's not the case with Klingon. He moves pretty well. And the, the feel shows up in his steal rate also. Very good steal rate for a big man. Um, I think the big questions are just, can he add more offensively? Is he going to have some ball skills? Is he going to have some passing to him? Is he going to um, just be more than a play finisher? Or can he finish plays in a, a wider variety of ways? And then the other question is, how severe is this injury going to be? He's missing some time with a foot injury. Yep. Is that something that's going to be a real lingering problem or is this going to be something where he's he's back in a month and we never hear about it again so um i really like Klingon. Klingon's like a firm top 10 for me i think i've got him around six or seven right now um but people like rafael barlow i believe had him has him around like three like there are people that like yeah. really see that upside and you know I, I i think there's a real path to that uh where are you at with with Klingon? yeah i was looking at rafael and again going back to this like arc archetype debate that's going on i think that one of the things that is kind of like reinforced where he is with with Klingon is are those guys like a walker kessler and mark williams having big games early on in the season so i like them a lot man uh just hearing about the body transformation i don't know why this is probably just like the weirdo wrestling fan in me but it reminds mm -hmm. me of gunther and yeah WWE, yeah right? like yeah what do you think of that comp is it pretty good I love it. I love it. Just pure, <laughs> pure brutality from both of those. Yes. Men. Like you're just going to get overpowered. Best back chops in the business from Donovan mm -hmm. Klingon in college basketball. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, like you were saying, man, like there's strong belief that he could have been like a really high draft pick last season if he would have stayed in. And I think that it kind of makes you wonder how high he could go in this class if he was kind of almost promised and guaranteed a really high spot. Um, you know, it was also well documented that he played only 13 minutes per game, uh, playing behind Sonogo. Now with more minutes, uh, this is exactly what scouts kind of wanted to see, and this was the hypothetical with him last season when there was the, hey, just go ahead and declare now. Let's pre-draft this big man guy. You know, he shot over 65% from the floor, averaged um, just under two blocks per game in those 13 minutes, which was a ridiculous over 14% block rate. Uh his his synergy numbers are just through the roof, man. 
although he's big on paper, he moves very well on the floor, which I think speaks to that athleticism uh, component to his game that you were talking about earlier. Keeps the ball very high on entry passes, which is kind of a pet peeve of mine when a big man will catch the ball <laughs> in the paint and then he dips it down and then yep. the guard pokes it out. Like, what are you doing? Just be big. Keep the ball big too, right? Um, a strong screener can finish through contact. Nice second leap, which again speaks to the athleticism mm-hmm. that you were just talking about. And on top of the strength, combined with this, the the athleticism, he has really, really soft hands, man, yes. and can finish with either one of them, which is another big uh, part of being a, an NBA big is being kind of ambidextrous with the ball in your hands. The jumper looks promising for his player type, despite the 51% free throw percentage that he had last season. I expect those things to climb. Defensively, he covers a ton of ground. Ball tracking skills are impeccable recovers to contest the second shot just as well as the first and his hit ahead potential on the boards. Like we could be looking at a Kevin love esque uh, kind Ooh, of, you I know, like full court, full court, let it sail, hit my guy. That way I can just get, stay back here and play defensive again and just kind of keep that ring around the rosy going on a little bit there. So I like him a lot, dude. I think that I'm going to have him in my top 10. Three is kind of crazy. Like in my opinion, because there's still a lot to be said about some of the other prospects within this class. However, it's it would not be crazy if you're looking at him probably like five or six. Like, I think that yeah. that is kind of maybe even four. Like, saying three mm-hmm. is crazy might sound like really strong for me. But, yeah. But four and five and six, I think, are well within the realm of possibility. And then again, you could probably even talk me into three depending on the team and their needs. So maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But he's he's that highly regarded among his peers within this draft class. I think three would require like me feeling really good about him as a short roll passer or a three-point shooter. Like I feel like I would need one of those to bite that high. And I'd probably also need some of these other guys that I like a lot right now to maybe not be what I think they're going to (laughs) be. Like I I would kind of need like... Justin Edwards, not but I think he's going to be. I'd need Ron Holland to not have a great shooting year. I need Jacoby Walter to lay an egg. Like, I need a couple other guys. Alex Sar would kind of have to stop doing what he has been doing so far. <laughs> yeah, this year. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I, I, I'm not completely close to the idea. I think, I think would just require, yeah, a pretty significant leap in one of those areas. Uh, let's do Kyle Filipowski next because he's a yeah. guy that. I just to be completely honest, struggle with quite a bit. Uh, he was really mm. productive at Duke last season, but he wasn't efficient. It's like, he's one of those guys where like, if you just look at the box score, it's like, Oh man, like 18 and nine, like those kind of games pretty consistently. Yep. Um, but he's had some games where, where things didn't look great. Six eleven, two twenty. 220 um, had like a, a hip surgery of some sort over the off season, yeah. which like generally is like a, uh Oh, like what's going on there. Pretty and then everyone's scary. like, Oh, he looks awesome now. Like everyone that has seen him post-surgery is like, he looks fantastic. So like, maybe it was. That was the intent of the surgery too, right? Like it was, it was surgery to improve. I think like the, the, the hip flexibility, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Like I'd never heard of this before. Like, I don't know if this was like because of some medical injury that he had or something like that. Um, The first thing let's get to you. I'm going to pop this up uh, from dirty dancing in chat. I don't know if I believe in Philip. Yeah. I think that's a, a real kind of fair concern um, because last year, the three point percentage wasn't great. So at 6'11", 220, Filipowski is sort of billed as this stretch five, maybe stretch four. Kind of. 
I lean toward him more as You know I'll who call. he reminds me of? If I can go ahead and just put out a comp now. I wonder if we're going to have the same one. Same time. Ready? All right. One, one two, two, three. three. Zach Collins. Julius Randle. Okay. Whoa. No? Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so he was 28.2% from three on 7.2 per 100 possessions. So solid volume. Um, guys do tend to make their shooting leaps as sophomores, which I, I, I wrote about in a piece about Kobe Brown this uh, past year. He was 34.6% in EYBL. And, and I think the shot looks the same every single time. Um, so I, I do think he's going to shoot it. I think we'll see him close mm-hmm. to 35 would be my guess this year on a similar volume. Um, I also like how he attacks a closeout for a big guy, like a big man closeout, like if a fellow yeah. big or center, that's even like a solid athlete charges at him pretty hard. He'll, he'll drive at him in a straight line and beat him. Um, and he sees the floor. Well on the go too. Um, he'll occasionally bully a smaller guy on set inside. It's not a big part of his game. Um, I like him as a screener too. Like that same thing I talked about with Klingon Filipowski actualizes that a little bit really good with the flip screens. Um, just like what he does uh, from that respect. Work rate is really high, gets involved on the offensive glass a lot, um, making little plays, moves without the ball. I need him to be stronger with the ball around the basket. Like he's one of those guys where the offensive rebound numbers look good. And then you watch the games and it's like, oh, you missed like three times in a row. And just like kept getting your own offensive rebound because like you didn't hold up well through contact or you know, he'll get the ball and he'll just like knock up that strong and like people knock the ball loose. Like there's just these little things around the basket, like 50.5% on twos feels low considering how often he was around there and how many opportunities he had. So that's something I want to see change. The defense stuff is weird for me because he was a just not good player around the rim. To be frank, he um, has to be stronger around the basket. um, Really kind of slow to react to weak side help like if he's the guy who needs to rotate to the rim i thought he could be a little slow in those in those situations and his block rate's just like it's low like if you want him to be a five and i know he played alongside Derek lively but a lot of times Derek lively wasn't playing and he was playing the five alongside ryan young so i it's not like you can't tell me he was just playing the four like when he did have a lot of run at the five and that's where his block rate is so i think he's gonna have to be a four which then it's just hard to say because like we haven't seen him post whatever this more athletic hip surgery is that he got uh i i don't hate how he moves in space and i actually think that his like forward backward movement can be pretty good he'll like jump passing lanes for steals and things like that if there's a lazy skip um gets his feet back under him all right my big concern with him on defense was like if you screen him it just feels like he's done like he has a really hard time with that and maybe that's another thing where this extra hip mobility will allow him to kind of swing around those or better navigate him I'm really confused uh, as far as what I'm doing with this guy. I think as a four offensively, it can work. I I think with how he can attack a closeout dribble pass, I think he can shoot. So I think that's kind of a thing, but I think he has to be like a Zach Collins uh, four, as I would call it, where it's like, well, he's out there with Wemby. He's out there with Sue hands. Like there's enough other guys who can do stuff around the rim that maybe if that element of his game isn't there, uh, you know, he can can kind of be insulated a little bit. Where Zach Collins in college, of course, was actually a you know quite a good uh shot blocker and room protector, but it's just not really his game now, uh, after all these injuries he's had. Yeah, and that's where I think I come up with the Julius Randle comparison where 
both were number 30. So that's a really easy transition. So there's that aspect to it. But just watching them, they're both offensive first, like fours. I think there's mm-hmm. the idea that you could play Randall a little bit at the five. Maybe if you were, you know, in a different time, you could probably play big, big lineup threes, uh, a la Dirk yeah. Nowitzki when he first went to the Mavericks when he was a, uh, when he was a rookie. But I think with Kyle, the, the name of the game is going to be offense, right? Like he's going to mm-hmm. be able to do a lot uh, of different things. Uh, maybe even, you know, shoot the ball at a, at a good clip. I think that's kind of like what we're looking for with him. Right. So I like, uh, he did score the most points for Duke last year too, which is a big deal considering everybody else that they had on their team. You know, the offense was able to go through there and dirty dancer. I see you in the comments, way better ball handler passer. Absolutely. Right. I'm just speaking specifically to like score first mentality, offensive minded mentality, what their defensive concerns, like where to plug you, who to kind of fit around you. That's kind of like um, where I'm going with that that comparison there. But back to Kyle, he's uh, pretty quick and shifty. Uh, I do like his handle and I do like his vision. I don't think that it's yeah, think up there with Randall, but I think that he can do some fun stuff with the ball in his hand. Uh, he's obviously a good rebounder as well. Moves around the court pretty well, but isn't a very big vertical threat, which is kind of what I think that you're speaking to defensively. That's like, in my opinion, what holds him back. He can slide pretty decent, but just the verticality that popped to his game just isn't there. You know, he's kind of more of an under the basket uh, kind of combo forward in that regard. He has good defensive numbers, but I do have the concerns that you just laid out. You know, closeout speed isn't great. Switches were an issue also, as well as the screen navigation. Uh, really hustles to stay with his mans on drives and post-ups, though, and, but likes to jump at almost every single shot attempt that is that is up there. And I think that's because he doesn't have good defensive tools. He's just trying to compensate with his height there. Solid steal rate for a big man, which I do think is a good indication of feel. Uh, but my thing was how big of an issue um, is – the surgery going to be for his game, and then how does that translate? And then how does he look without having a guy like a Derek Lively in that front court with him this mm-hmm. year? Duke's got a lot of guards. I have questions about the front court. Kyle is going to have to do a little bit more of everything now this year in the front yeah. court with uh, people who have who have gone now. So I'm kind of curious to see what that looks like. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And we've got more Duke players coming up on the other side of the break. So stay tuned with us and we'll be right back. All right, so we've got another guy who is someone that I think really had a lot of buzz kind of toward the end of the draft season or uh, college season and could have entered the draft, decided not to. That's Tyrese Proctor, a six foot five guard. 178 pounds, so on the slight kind of skinny side. Uh, he's another one of these guys where I, I've seen really high on boards. Other places have him quite a bit lower. Um, where do you have Tyrese Proctor currently, and what do you think of, of kind of his game and prospects heading into the year? So coming into the year, I had him as an early second, right? I didn't like a lot of the top 10 buzz that I was getting. And then diving into more film, getting ready for this show, I think that I probably knocked him down too much. I still don't buy like the top Mm -hmm. 10 noise that he was getting into this season, but I do think that he should be higher. Definitely a first round guy. I would probably venture to say, if I'm kind of remembering who I have where on my board, 
I could probably see him in that like 18 to 25 range um, right now because of the way the second half of the year ended for him. I mean, he was getting to any spot that he wanted to get to. He was able to convert on these little kind of pull-up middies, kind of like mid-post spin jump shots that looked really, really well. The defense had kind of been there all season and only got stronger as it as the year went on. I do like the playmaking. I do like the passing. I do worry about the shooting consistency, especially from deep. I do worry about the finishing and traffic at the next level. Yeah. And I do worry about how much of a playmaker he actually is. Like he is a he's a solid playmaker. I just don't look at him as like one of these. Oh my gosh, did you just see what Tyrese Proctor did? I I think he's more of kind of like these score first guys that uses the uh passing to get him into his shots a little bit, but I don't necessarily look to see him leverage his playmaking as much as I would like. That being said, I think mm-hmm. Duke is uh in a different situation this year. I think with the guards that he has, he could have a little bit more free reign in that regard. But Ultimately, I'm just interested, man. Duke is going to be like one of my most watched teams this year because of everybody that they have coming back and coming in as as freshmen this year. How do you feel about him? I I'm a little bit higher on him than you, but like not by much. I I, I don't think you're unreasonable. I, I guess he does have a path to like one of those really high high picks. And again, like there are people that have him, you know, near top five or even in that range. Yeah, I get the idea of it. I'm just pretty low on his physical gifts. So he's he's six yeah. foot five. Like like I said, the, the feel is outstanding. I, I love how he plays at different speeds. I like how well he reads the big man and defender in a pick and roll. I think his handle and footwork and ability to gain separation east west is really impressive. He has that kind of slitheriness to weave through traffic. He knows what type of pass to throw his placement on his pass is exceptional. And even with all the advantages he creates, he still limits his mistakes. Like there's a lot to like, like there is a lot to like. And I think a lot of what I wrote about, uh, Milo Susan, who we'll, we'll get to, I believe in part two. Um, I think there's definitely a place for like these kind of guards that have this sort of size and like just the feel is off the charts and they can bring off yep. ball, off ball value as a shooter. I just don't know that it's like the most valuable thing in the world. And that's kind of where I'm a little stuck with Proctor is that at 178 pounds, he's really, really thin. Uh, it doesn't mean he can't fill out. And and he was really good down the stretch last year. So over the last 11 games, or, or, or I believe the last 20 games is a longer stretch than that. 11 points per game on 41.1, 37.1, 87.2. Um, his confidence stayed really high. Like he had this really slow start to the year where he was just brutally yep. inefficient and he never stopped shooting, never, you know, changed his game, changed his approach. Um, was really great on unguarded catch and shoots uh, throughout the entire year, which matters. The teams can't just ignore him. Um, and then defensively, or I'm sorry, one more thing I want to touch on offensively is that um, he's okay in the mid range, but not great. Yeah, And he's not a great pull-up three-point shooter. And then at the rim, he's got some real issues because he is skinny, like the angles aren't great. Um, he has to settle from further away. He's probably not going to be a guy that um, 
is like playing through anybody's body at the rim. So like he's going to have to have like really, really exceptional touch. And he didn't pressure the rim much at all. Only 17.3% of his shots. And that court came at the rim was under 50% on those. So it's like, okay, we were saying that you like Kugel, but you know, he's so much less efficient there, but with Kugel, like twice as many shots at the rim basically is you're on a, 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 you know, per possession basis. So I, I just need to see some sort of real physical development to believe that there's going to be like, what is the threat to score with Tyrese Proctor in the NBA? I guess is my concern. Cause if it is just like catch and shoot, then I would rather have somebody that I felt better about from a physicality standpoint. Yeah. Um, needs, he needs that pull up to get there. Um, 37.5% of the mid range with the pull up. 17% from three. Like I'm just going under ball all day against this yeah. guy. And if he's not going to kill you in the mid range, not going to kill you from three and you don't really have to worry about him much at all at the basket. I think there can be a lot of, a lot of questions for him. Uh, defensively, you can really stick with guys. The baseline fundamentals are there. Um, I just worry about the size and like, he's not a big time defensive playmaker. He had four total blocks last season. Two of them were against Bellerman. So he's kind of a low block rate guy, which is always, always a bit of a red flag athletically. I, I just think he's kind of like a little too below the rim, a little too skinny. And I, I just can't put a guy like that, that high on my board. If I'm like, how are you going to score efficiently with the ball in your hands at the NBA level? If you're a guard. Yeah. So, and what, got my what, what stands out to me about the jumper and every, I agree with everything that you just said about where he's efficient, where he has concerns. It all comes down to the shot, Maxwell. Mm-hmm. If you look at the shot, it's kind of very kind of like putty, like kind of off to yeah. the shoulder. It's not like a very technically sound, uh, well-traveled jumper where it looks the same if it's off of movement or off of the dribble or off of the catch. It's kind of similar, but it's kind of away from him. It's kind of off to his strong side. And it's really hard to to get into that jumper off of the move, right? Because there's a lot of energy transfer. The ball has to go in a lot of different places at one time. So that takes longer for the shot to get off, which is quicker for defense to be able to bother and contest it, right? So the offensive skill set is where I did come in low with him. But kind of like what Dirty Dancer saying in the comments, he is slippery with the ball. Um, Mm -hmm. He can maneuver his way into the lane. But even when he does get to inside the offense, once he gets past his initial defender, he's very floater reliant, right? Which yeah. I think is because of his size. And the floater is nice, so it's good that you have a go-to move, right? But when you're being scout scouted heavily at the next level, like you're doing well at the second half of the year in the ACC, which is great, what does that look like in the NBA? Where, again, Maxwell, this is... People are gonna hate me. They're gonna run me out. They're gonna run me out of town about the guards, like the the lead guards within a draft class. And that's how high the threshold is, man. Like, look at what Scoot Henderson is going through. Look at the adjustment yeah. that he is having to go through right now in the NBA. And he was is like the the standard, the hallmark of what you kind of have to do athletically to be taken very high in an, in a draft. I don't know that Proctor is there, and even if he is. Like and even if he does get drafted high, look at how much he's gonna have to grow accustomed to, right? Like mm-hmm. that is a very high threshold to clear, and I just don't know if he's gonna hold up physically. Feel wise, I think that there is yeah. a lot to like about him. Yeah, yeah, very, very high feel. And 
And I think that that is what makes him valuable. And I think that there are some defensive tools to his game too, where he could be a two defensive, you know, uh, like positional defender, which has value in and of itself as well. So I'm just going to need to see, hopefully that the shot mechanics are cleaned up, that the load time is brought down and that it's just not as much all over the place, which is going to help his offensive, his offensive game get better. Yeah. So I, I think my concern ultimately would be that. And, and he was like young for the class, like he didn't turn yeah. 19 until late in the year and things like that. I would say that just like looking from like, what is his role going to be at the NBA level perspective? Like some, someone like Trey Alexander is also mm-hmm. young for his class, like only a year older. I, I just think that with like Trey, it's like, well, there's like, a level of physicality we know that he's got the giant wingspan and while he's not as quick as proctor he's not as slithery as proctor he's proven to be just like a nuclear off ball shooter really great in the mid-range more efficient at the rim a little more able to get to the rim and then like just more of a playmaker on the defensive end like is that just more valuable yeah, like you trust us. Like, I think that's like the the conversation that in like where I'm kind of stuck with Proctor is like I see people have him really high, and it's like I'm not even sure that he's higher than a guy that like a lot of people are seeing as like a late first, early second kind of guy. And the thing with Trey, and we're gonna talk about him actually later on in the show, yep. is that he's he's got a ready made complementary skill set that yes. you trust and that yep. you've seen be utilized to a high degree at the mm-hmm. level that he's at right now. And is likely to continue to do at the next level. Whereas Trey, or I'm I'm sorry, like what we're talking about now with Proctor is that it's all kind of hypothetical because he is more of an on-ball creator. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that you're looking to, like, there's nothing about what I saw last year, Maxwell, that is saying, I got to have this guy in my program. I got to have him running my Mm -hmm. offense. And that's that's scary because of his what his player type is. Mm -hmm. So let's do uh, Mark Mitchell up next. I'm going to go quick on him. I, I wrote a feature on yeah. Mark Mitchell. You can go to nosalingsnba.com and read that if you want my my full Mark Mitchell thoughts. Uh, 6'8", 205 pounds. Are, I believe uh, I believe now he's listed like 235. Uh, sophomore at Duke. Um, I like him a lot. I just think from a physicality standpoint, he's ready for the NBA. And I think that when you are that big and that athletic and can defend like that and have feel, you're going to at least hang around the NBA, if nothing else. Um Really good attacker, really good feel as a passer, even though the assist rate wasn't really high. We'll do all the dirty work and kind of fill the gaps on offense. Defensively, very in tune off the ball. Um, guards multiple positions. Good instincts as a weak side rim protector. Gets into handles off the ball. will jump passing lanes. Everything you want in a defender, I think is there. With Mark Mitchell, I don't think he's going to be like an all-defense guy, but I think he's going to be a plus defender at the NBA level. Um Oh, and real quick on the passing front, watch their game against Syracuse. If you just want to like okay. buy the passing, like he just ate them up. And I know not a lot of NBA teams are going to play, you know, a two, three zone, but it just showed like that guy knows where everyone is on the court all the time and knows how to, to PC up. It was the one game that kind of let him operate as a passer and played through him a little bit more. Uh, and he was exceptional. It's going to come down to the shot, like very, very low volume from, from three, but hit 35%. Shot looks funky. Um, but again, a good free throw shooter. I think, how you feel about Mark Mitchell comes down to like, can do you think he can be a league average three point shooter? Because if he does, he's like a playoff rotation guy. Um, but if you don't think that, or if you have concerns about it, you're probably a lot lower on him. So, what are your uh, your thoughts on Mark Mitchell? 
I have him in my second round right now, uh, okay. but the door's not shut on him to to rise. Uh, speaking to his shot, I think that it does need to improve mechanically. There's a bit of a dip to it. Can have a bit of a chicken wing that kind of like uh, a yeah. steady that uh, support arm flare. Grouping is a little bit wild, but having said all that, you already touched on it. Thirty five percent from three, like could do a lot worse for a guy that needs to do a little bit work. And I'm sure, based on what I've read and heard from you, Maxwell, that he's obviously going to be willing to do the work yeah, to get to where he needs to be another lefty, which is always uh, kind of be something that I point out within this draft class. Good frame and motor moves very well for his size. I believe he played his plays out of position at Duke where I think that he's going to be naturally more of a four in the NBA, but due to due to the roster construction, he kind of had to play the three and I thought that he did a very good job. And I think it's important for players Maxwell in, in terms of their development to do some of the stuff that they probably wouldn't have had to been asked to do because it just gonna it's just gonna round their games out a little bit more. Uh, shows nice wiggle with his finishing, which I, I stood out to me more on the rewatch I think than what I kind of like took away from the season last year. Like going back and watching his film, it's like he's a little bit more shifty than I remember, which is mm-hmm. uh which which was pretty fun to see. Uh, seems like he's gonna be a, another good rebounder again this year, especially on the offensive glass. That shows good footwork on the defensive side of the ball. I'm I'm with you, man, that I think that he's um he's going to be a good front court defender. I don't know if he's going to be like all world or anything like that, but he has great instincts. Uh, but on the defensive side of the ball, one thing that kind of stood out to me is that uh if he's going to be kind of put onto some guards, I think that that's going to be like his struggle point. But I do like him against more power players like these like big wings, big forwards, even some fives, I think that he'll hold up well against. Uh, not every college player, as much as they would like to say they're a one through five defender, actually are. But there's nothing wrong with being a three through five defender, especially in the NBA. And I think that's where Mark's going to kind of carve out a nice little role for himself whenever he does decide to come out. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's uh, spot on. Uh, let's do Baba Miller next. So okay. I, I'm going to kind of go quick on on Baba. Um there yeah. are guys in this exercise that we're going to get to that I I came out of the exercise a lot higher on them. And I was like, oh, I, I actually kind of like a lot of things here. Um, but... Kind of the opposite for me. Yeah, if I can if I can be frank. So Baba had a really weird year last season. So he was 6'11". He has this weird NCAA suspension where he is out the first 20 games. So he's joining mid-season and it was over like the like if you're like oh suspension is there like character issues no it was like the dumbest thing ever it was like he attended a basketball camp it like was invited to play in a basketball camp and they played for his uh, his flight to get there and the NCAA was like you can't tisk tisk you can't you can't do that yeah and so so he missed half this season because a flight of a single flight was paid for um just nuts but uh very weird season at florida state averages 4.3 points in 3.7 rebounds in about 17 minutes per game 611 205 um good athlete for 611 gets up off one foot really well like very effective as a finisher last season uh 69 on twos um so has has some touch and can do some stuff around the rim uh the shot has to come along he shoots it up the left side of his body with a very deep dip and that shot is all over the place there misses left right short long you name it he is missed anywhere you can miss a shot uh 25 percent from three and about two attempts per game so he's taking them because i mean he only played 17 minutes a game so 
volume of salad. He was also three for 10 at the free throw line last season, mm-hmm. which is like such a small sample, but is still befuddling. Um, can put it on the floor a little bit, play with, plays with some bend. Uh, he is exceptionally weak with the ball. And I know, again, this is a guy that's young. He's got the body to fill out. It felt like anytime someone made a play on the ball, like if you just like, if he dribbles and you go in on his handle, or if he has the ball in, uh, you know, a triple threat position, you put your hand on the ball, like he's going to turn it over. Like if yeah. anybody makes contact with the ball, it's done. It's a turnover. Um, can't go up through contact at all. Can't play through anybody, you know, digging, swiping. It's, it's just done. Um, he threw some really inaccurate passes too, where I was just like, Oh, all right. Like there was like this whole kind of grew up as a guard narrative with him. And then some of the passes that he makes, it's like, where did you think that guy was? Like (laughs) very, very strange. Um, Defensively, it's, it's a little odd. Like the tools are all there. It's not like fully realized, but on defense, if you just sort of like know what's happening, I'm very forgiving of you when you have the, the gifts that he has. So I think he's going to be fine defensively. I don't truly worry about that. I just worry about like, what does this guy do on offense? Because if you're going to be a play finisher, I'd like you to be more filled out um, and feel like you're not going to just lose the ball. If somebody touches it, Um, I am starting to become lower on the upside. It's like a shooter and floor spacer and guy who can put it on the floor and create. I, I, I just think he's really far away still. Um, so he's more of a guy that it's like maybe in a second round on one of those super cheap guarantees or something like that. I could, I could do it, but I, I had him in the first and I'm just having a real hard time after that rewatch kind of squaring that away. But where are you at with Baba? I think contextualizing it is a big thing. And Maxwell, yeah. you talked about the suspension. What come, what came along with the suspension is that like, he couldn't do anything with the team. Mm-hmm. So like, there's the whole like getting familiar with his teammates. There's the whole strength and conditioning aspect of it that he had to miss out on, which, you know, and, and talking to a guy who is going to be uh, a, a player that I interviewed, who you're probably going to be able to listen to uh, when this pod is out as well. Yep. A guy who has only been there for maybe a month has already put on 10 to 15 pounds. Whereas with, with a guy like Baba, that's just as important to his game. And, based on what I know about the the terms that kind of go along with the suspension suspension, like any hopes of putting on any weight, any, any hopes of getting to know his teammates had to happen on the fly. Like you don't put on weight in the middle of a basketball season, right? Like, no, you don't. You do Everyone loses weight off- during the season. Yeah. If you talk to these guys, they're like, they shed weight, like they put it on the off season and it's just so up and down and the weight flies off. Yeah, you just kind of hope to do everything that you can to maintain it. So I'm willing to kind of almost throw last season away in a lot of regards, but there were some things that did stand out to me. Uh, you you talked on the playmaking field. Maxwell, he had a 25% turnover percentage and only in less than a 9% assist percentage. That's scary considering what he was mm-hmm. kind of billed for us to be. Now, again, I'm going to put some of that to like he was still trying to gain familiarity with his teammates, but my goodness, like that was pretty scary. Um, the shot looks okay, um, but I think that there is a little bit of a snake bite motion to that. But the misses were were wild, just like you said. 
I did like his ability to cut away, like as he didn't have the ball in his hands. I felt like he did move pretty decently without the ball, especially since he wasn't as strong as what I'm sure everyone would have liked to see him do. And then he uses his length to disrupt shots pretty well, had a 3.1 block percentage, and that's still him learning on the fly, like going from not playing at all to in the middle of ACC basketball play, like learning on the fly, was still able to be a pretty good defender, right? Um, I think obviously he'll need to improve that strength to truly become a one through five defender. And I kind of wonder, Maxwell, I'm going to ask you this question with a player of his length and this kind of like natural ability to kind of like absorb a basketball when it comes off of someone's hands. Do you think that has a tendency to kind of kind of like pacify their footwork and technique, like learning how to be a more sound defender when there's like this natural ability to just reject shots as opposed to being more fundamentally based. Yeah. I I think it's kind of a good, a good starting point in a way, right. That it's like, you have a lot of stuff that you're just able to do that. A lot of people might not be able to. And then like the stuff that needs to be worked on is teachable. That was part of why I was really high on him coming to last season was it just felt like, Oh, he's a little too upright on defense. Like someone can just tell him to not do that anymore. Like a lot of the stuff is just like, Oh, this is really coachable. And, Florida state has had like a kind of up and down track record as far as NBA talent. Like there's, you know, Scotty Barnes and there's Pat Williams and there's, you know, Rick Von gray. Like there's just some guys that don't Devin Vassell, get yeah. over that hump. And then some guys, that, yeah, like Devin Vassell, who's awesome. Like, yeah. uh, but I do think to Leonard Miller's credit is like, you can't point at his teams and be like, well, they don't play defense. So I would anticipate that the defense becomes a lot more well-rounded coming into this year like i think this year we'll see baba like truly defend and if he does that then maybe i'm willing to gamble on him a little bit higher than the second as long as the offense looks like it could maybe get there um i I just think he's still like a real project is is i do too Mm -hmm. i came away much less enthused and i'm trying to rationalize it with how far behind he had to kind of oh Mm -hmm. excuse me uh how far behind he had to start as a prospect. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I do feel like I do have him too high on my board right now. Um, but I don't know if I want to like overcorrect too hard. That's fair. Yeah. Whenever he can like coaching and mm-hmm. getting familiar with your teammates is going to do a, a world of wonders for this guy. I truly feel for sure. So I've got some guys that I'm the opposite with. So we're going to, we're going to get back on the positive side of things here. Hey. Uh, so we're, we're going to take one quick break and we will be right back. We're going to go a little bit quicker on these last couple of guys. These guys are a little bit lower on some boards, but still guys that are really interesting. Uh, Trey Alexander, uh, someone we touched on earlier, uh, 6'4", 185 out of Creighton, tested the draft waters, opted to return to college. Um, Trey is somebody I like a lot, did a big feature on him last year. Um, role change, I think, this year is going to be big. He was kind of the two-guard alongside Ryan Nemhard. This yep. year, Stephen Ashworth in the mix, from what I understand it, it sounds like based on the Bahamas trip that it's going to be Trey at the point and Ashworth, even though he's kind of smaller as the off guard shooter. Um, Trey is so hard to read. Like nothing is ever off the table with him. It's kind of what I put in the notes. Like anytime he's operating a pick and roll, you don't know if he's going to go forward. Is he going to go East West? Is he going to shoot? Is he going to find somebody getting open? Is it going to be the spot up guy, the role man? Like, he can really read and do everything in a pick and roll. And like, even if he's not the most dynamic athlete, he's really hard to telegraph. Um, 
And he actually pressured the rim and finished there pretty well um, compared to other guys in the class. And then like, I, I think he had like one or two down games at the end of the season to kind of aid into that a little bit, but I think he's quite good there. Um, great in the mid range and can pull up from three, but the off ball value that we talked about earlier is what's obscene. He was almost 47% on catch and shoot threes last year. Defensively, 6'11 wingspan plays really tough, like a guy who's not heavy, but plays like he's bulky, like throws his chest on guys so they don't get through him. I think he's one of those guys where he's stronger than his weight. Um, he stays connected around screens really well. And he had a really high block rate for a guard. And it's like yep. things where it's like, well, I'm trying to square away. Like he's, you know, not super bouncy and this and that. But at the same time, like he can really like just stick with guys and, and block them from behind or block them from the side. And I, I think he knows what he's doing on that side of the ball. I think if he's guarding other point guards in the NBA, maybe there's going to be some nights where he's got some quickness issues, but I think, I think if is he kind of continues to fill out his frame, being that he is young for his class, like that's something he can still do, get a little bit stronger. I like him on that side of the ball. Um, so we're looking at a good defensive playmaker. We're looking at a very creative offensive playmaker. I and I think Dirty Dancer, he has the question, you know, I like Trey, um, but I'm a bit bored of him as a prospect. Don't know why he came back. I think it's to to kind of show what he can do as a creator and a passer. And those games, yeah. anytime that Ryan Nemhard missed games, he was averaging like four or five assists per game. Uh, as opposed to like the 2.4 or whatever he averaged last year. Um, I think it's to really show like he's the full package as far as a guard, legit on ball creator for himself, others, and just a dynamite off ball threat and three point shooter. So Trey's like a, for, a late first guy for me. Um, to, if, if this class like just isn't great, I, he could work his way up into the teens for me. I don't think that's unrealistic. Uh, but yeah, just a, a guy I really trust is a, a long term NBA pro. Yeah, I have him in the high 20s right now. I mean, we're talking about a guy who shot 45% from the floor, 41% from deep, 82% from the line, just all around very good shooter. Uh, improved as a playmaker and on-ball creator last year. I think a full season sample would is obviously going to do him wonders. I love the poise that he plays with, very much the type of player that I could imagine like the Denver Nuggets would go mm -hmm. after with one of their mm -hmm. second-round picks, right? Uh, hearing everything that we, that we know about the type of players that they are looking at and and I think too the NBA being kind of a copycat lead in that regard. Like, are are we kind of done with projects in the second round or teams looking to try to value these second round picks even more? And with how top heavy some of these teams have become, are they looking to kind of fill out their rosters now with more ready to go kind of Jaime Jaquez type players for the Miami Heat? Even though he was a kind of a late first. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like the passing and defense and the defending answers the what else question that I typically would ask when it comes to a shooting prospect question I have for you, Maxwell. Yeah. Do you, do you think at his height and the lack of a truly elite on ball creation, and I would even add like elite athleticism. I think that yeah. he's a perfectly fine athlete. Mm -hmm. Like he's not, he's not bereft in that area and he's a perfectly fine on ball creator and passer. But I wouldn't consider him elite in any no. of those areas. Yeah. Do you think that's what's making teams a bit skeptical with him? Because yeah. I think that that's really what it comes down to with him. Yeah, I think the point that Dirty Dancer made is is probably not an uncommon one in league, in league yeah. circles where it's just like, oh, yeah, he's like, you know, six, four long. Like, I, I think there was a little bit of confusion to or like, I don't like 
you know, very front offices or anything like that. But I think at the same time, um, front offices don't always get a little bit more creative with what guys can be. And I think with Trey, I think a lot of people were like, oh, he's like a two or he's like a wing. And it's like, well, he's not like, I think he is a point guard. And I think if you're not like, and teams aren't going to go super deep in the weeds on guys that were kind of like projected in the range. He was where I think for most of the year, our, our group here at no things was very high on Trey. I think the general consensus was more that he was like a second or like even like an undrafted guy. I think ESPN had him in like the eighties or nineties at times. Like that's crazy. So I think because of that, like teams just weren't like really doing a bunch of hard work on him. Um, I, yeah, I think that's part of it. I think they just see a guy that's not super athletic and when you're six, four and not super athletic or super quick or super bouncy, it can be really tough. I just think Trey is the kind of guy that can overcome that because the shooting is so good and because the defense is so good. So I don't sweat it, but I do think that is part of teams not seeing the value. Okay. Yeah, um, that's fair. Um, yeah. Let's, we can uh, move on now, man, to a Dembona. Yes. Uh, so- sophomore big man out of UCLA. What are your thoughts about a Dembona, man? I like Bono a lot. He's obviously a big time play finisher. He's six foot nine. Uh, listed it, uh, I think he's listed like 225 is what you had in the notes. And like, some of those guys that plays like he's, yeah. you know, two, he might be bigger. Uh, yeah. And, and who knows too? Cause I think a lot of times he's like the, the basketball reference one. And sometimes teams' websites will be updated and they can be different. And then like sometimes the season hasn't kicked off. Don't have off, the new yeah. weights in there. Yeah. So it's, we're working with what we're working with. It's, it's incomplete. A lot of places. Um, Bona's got like a seven, five wingspan. I believe that's was like insane. the number that was thrown out there prior <laughs> to the year. So like six foot nine, a center generally you're like, eh, do I like that? Is that okay with Bona? I think he's got the dimensions for it. Um, crazy, crazy motor just plays so hard. Good hands, huge catch radius, super explosive. Another guy who sets real legit screens. Uh, offensively, that's kind of what he is right now. I think the real question is just like, can he be more than that? Uh, defensively, I, I don't know what else you could ask for. Uh, he's a legit rim protector. 9.1 block percentage, but also just effective at making guys miss at the rim. Opponents yep. were 39.3% at the rim against him. And he can sit down and slide and stay in front of just about anybody. I thought his his discipline when switched down got way better throughout the year. And I think whether you want him to show or drop or switch, like he's going to be able to do all of it. So I think even in a very simplified role, he can hang around the NBA for a really long time. I think the question is just, a, how good does he look without Tiger Campbell? And I'm kind of optimistic there. Uh, I, I wrote about Dylan Andrews last week, and like Dylan Andrews and Adem Bona have some really nice lab chemistry, so I think he's going to be all right. Um, I, I think the question is just like, what else can he do on offense? Like, can he take on any bigger of a role? Can he be any sort of a passer? Can he make a mid-range jump shot? Like, is there anything else to it, or is it just this? Because if it's just this, then it gets a lot less exciting. Um, and then if he, yeah, if he gets a bigger role, like what, what is he going to add? So that's kind of where I'm at with Bona. I like him. I like him kind of as like a late first, um, because I do think he's going to be around for a long time. That, that versatility is really important come playoff time, but, uh, he might just, might just be kind of bland, uh, on offense. So where, where are you at with Bona? Yeah, I think too, with, uh, with looking at his game, I even wrote in my notes, do you think that an Onyeko Kongwu scenario is in play for him next season? And I think that question is, it's, I think it's a decent question, but it's mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't compare him to Onyeko Kongwu skill-wise because Onyeka no. had like the playmaking feel, 
uh, to kind of go with his offensive game a little bit. But the defense, uh, I think, is like the selling point. But maybe like comparing him to Okongwu's teammate, Clint Capella, might be the more apt comparison, right? Because he's a little bit limited in the playmaking front, a lim- little bit limited as a shooter uh, at any level, really. But the defense is just so nuclear. And like you said, the catch radius is is so ridiculous that he is a threat anywhere around the rim. He switches out very well, like you said, um, which is increases that increases the number of teams that he can play for. When you're kind of like a drop only big, there's only so many teams that are going to look to identify you as a valuable rotation big, if not maybe a starter. Whereas what we've seen with Bona, there's not very many defensive schemes as a big man that he wouldn't be able to thrive in. I love the toughness and the intensity that he plays with. I, I wrote in my notes that he plays with his hair on fire. Uh, keeps the offensive player second-guessing as to what is what is open and what is not. The hands are really good. I think the feet could stand to be improved on the offensive end. Uh, negative assist-to-turnover ratio guy, which I think, again, speaks to the what else can he do, what other roles can he take in on the offensive end, because – we know that NBA teams do kind of like to run their offenses through their big men a little bit with the the guards and the forwards that, that are going to be on these teams. And I also ask, does Demaro kind of slow down any sort of offensive growth mm-hmm. that Adembona could add to his game? I think that that's a valuable question to ask as well. But overall, I like him, kind of similar to Trey Alexander. I feel like we kind of already know who this guy is which is a silly thing to say when there's a whole season in front of us that yeah. these guys can can go out and prove us wrong, and they typically do. But I'm excited to watch them play this year, man. For sure. So let's get to somebody who is actually just brought up in the chat, Trevon Brazil um, yeah. at Arkansas. Brazil is the guy that I flipped on quite a bit. I had long been much lower on, on Brazil than a lot of people, and I think this – this rewatch just kind of made me be like, oh man, what was I, what was I thinking? So uh six foot nine, two fifteen, kind of long and lean, a little bit skinny, but not weak. Again, another one of those guys that like just has a, a real toughness to him that I think allows him to play bigger than that. Like you look at him and you're like, oh, kind of wiry, but uh it works for him. He is a legit athlete with gotta be insane measurables. I, I don't know that yeah. the wingspan is out there, but like he he looks like a like slender man out there when he's extending his <laughs> arms so i think he's gonna have a plus 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 kind of wingspan uh he is going to thrive in a low maintenance role um he is a big time play finisher and i think he has real versatility offensively as far as what he can do as a screener so he's not mm-hmm. like uh like a, a bona or a Klingon where he's gonna level a guy but I think because he's a good catch and shoot guy. So he's now 35.5% uh, on three through I call it like one and a quarter college seasons, one in the third college seasons only played <laughs> nine games last year due to injury, but solid shooting sample and, and can show him that for his size, he can shoot. He's really good in a straight line and can really yep. get off the floor to finish above the rim that when he sets a screen, he can, he can pop and he's a threat to shoot. He can roll and catch a lob. He can slip. And if he does that, he's going to be a lot quicker than his man a lot of the times and be able to get downhill quickly. Or he could ghost. Like, it it wouldn't shock me if we see him be a guy that starts to ghost at the screen and now he's flaring out for a three, if that's something that he adds this year. Um, 
I think that uh, defensively, there's a lot to be excited about because of what he's going to be able to offer with how long he is. He's not a real five by NBA standards, but I think that if he does fill out his frame, he can be the rare four who can actually do the small, the small ball five role successfully. Um, Very easy off the floor, very quick, great anticipation around the rim for rotations and like a true big time leaper. Like, you know, we talked about Santa Claus earlier, like Trevon Brazil in that, that same conversation. <laughs> Jumping gets like up, Santa. Yeah, it gets up easy time and time again. Um, makes a lot of plays and like not a big time foul guy either. Like not one of those guys where it's like, nope. oh, well, you know, he almost had a highlight real block, but he fouled or something like that. Like, it just doesn't happen with him. Um, I'm, I think the switching stuff is a little theoretical, but not to the point where I'm like, worried about it like i think it'll get there pretty quickly um there are times where he's really narrow when he switched down and like he bites on a lot of stuff and the recovery tools are really good so maybe it's just like knowing that he can get away with it at this stage that like he will jump for everything uh but that needs to be refined on the perimeter he is agile enough that like if you try to screen him it's kind of the opposite of what we talked about with filipowski he's really able to respond to that yep. get around players anticipate it um the thing that I have the hardest time with and a big part of why I was lower on him is I think his feel offensively is so far behind his feel on defense. I, his passing recognition is really bad. Uh, at this point he will miss guys that are wide open, uh, can kind of stop and survey on the perimeter at times. That is my big holdup is like, if you're going to be a four, even if you're just a play finishing four, like I want to see decisions made a little bit more quickly. And I want you to see like, very obvious easy reads that he has a tendency to miss so i'm hoping for growth there and maybe being injured for a year and like he's coming back and everyone says like athletically he looks tremendous then maybe just that year of like being around the team having to watch having to do film like maybe that's just what the doctor ordered and that stuff flips but if we're just zooming out i say this all the time like nba tools and good at the important stuff we'll shoot finish above the rim defend a couple positions, weak side room protection. Like that's all there. I think this is a guy that I, I had been really low on and I coming out of this, I feel like he's like a pretty clear first round guy for me. Yeah. I had him, I think at 19, if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. on my board. And that was before watching him against Purdue. And he looked great by the way. Like there were yeah. a few possessions where forcing a turnover going in, a, just hitting threes, like not, I would say easy threes, but they're not the most difficult either. It was just like a very NBA, very NBA level three where it's, you know, forces a turnover, flares out on the wing, catches, doesn't hesitate, just no doubt that the shots have, that the shots going in. So very confident in this three point play. Um, love the momentum that he built for himself last year. For those who aren't familiar, I'm a Razorback fan. You know, I do try to keep my bias and my fandom kind of tucked away as an evaluator. But I got up for this Purdue game, man, because Arkansas is a very deep team. There's a lot of very good guards on this on this Arkansas team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's only going to help Brazil kind of fill out the the um, kind of connective ability to his game. Because if you look, they got a freshman um, Layden Blocker who looks really, really good, very poised. A lot of transfers coming over in uh, Caleb Battle. 
and a uh, Tremont Mark and then bringing in uh, Davenport over. So there's a lot of really good basketball players surrounding him this year to where he's not kind of like big brother in the lineup. Whereas last season, there were a lot of, you know, kind of freshmen coming in and trying to make plays. Now he's with, like, I would say in terms of experience level, there's a lot of peers that he has on his team where he is going to kind of have to get in where he fits in. And I think that's going to help him in that regard. But he does seem to be the type of player that fits the modern game, Maxwell. Very good yeah. re- uh, weak side rim protector. Uh, very good um, lob threat finisher and also the the shooting as well. I think that his game is going to be complementary because the ball skills, Maxwell, that you were just speaking to, the passing, I even do think that the dribbling could stand to improve yeah. a little bit too. So if you're going to be that finisher, you have to be really good at the things that he is already really good at. So that helps his draft stock there. Um, the big question moving forward was the health and how the athleticism holds up. Dirty Dancer already had, uh, brought that up in the comments because the athleticism seems to be maintained. Uh, that's a great sign, man. And maybe he even gets back to being even more athletic because I always say that these lower body injuries usually take about two years to recover from. So looking at everything that he's good at, some of the areas that he can stand and improve on, I do love the spin that you just put on that Maxwell, like being away from the team and being an observer. Maybe that helps his kind of connective ability. He did seem to be kind of playing well within himself against Purdue, which was like the third third ranked team in the AP top 25. I did love everything that I saw from that game. And here's hoping for a continued development for him this year. Woo pig. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, up next, we have Hello Ware. Hello Ware. So Hello Ware is a polarizing one. I would say yeah. I'm firmly in the Hello Ware agnostic camp. Uh, seven seven feet tall, 210. One of those guys where, again, like you just look on paper and there's a lot to be excited about. Um, has the mobility to defend down. He gets up easily around the rim can slide with smaller players can recover in the instances. He does have to turn and chase had a nice block rate last year. Um, offensively, the shot looks really pretty and he's like ready to shoot it off. The catch was around 30% or so, which is a solid mark for a young big man has nice skill moments on offense where he'll look off a pass. And it's like, Oh man, like, and it's just not there all the time. Uh, mm. and that's, that's the really troubling part with Kalel where it's like, how much of that was Kalel Ware and how much of that was the bizarre circumstances at Oregon last year where they had and Folly Dante, who's like just a great college big man, like really reliable play finisher, very sharp defensive player, very tough, big, strong guy. Uh, and then they also had Nathan Biddle, who was like previously a top 10, 20 recruit. One of those guys that we don't hear about much because he's not an NBA guy, but is skilled and good at, at college basketball. Um, so his minutes, his role was never the same. And like when that happens, it can be demoralizing. It can be hard to deal with. It can be hard to play through. Um, it's hard to know what kind of energy to bring when you don't know if you're going to play 30 minutes, or if you're going to play nine. Like, I, I don't know how much of it falls at his feet and how much of it is just confusion, but uh, he brought very little on the offensive glass. He completely disappeared at times. He would throw lazy passes. Uh, he would let his man get behind him on, on the rolls like way too often. And 
he doesn't always get off the floor. And like when you don't do that, then your man gets behind you on a pick and roll. Like it's it's a lob for a dunk. Uh, yeah. He doesn't always box out. He jumps himself out of position. He struggles mightily against contact and helps and doubles. Like there's there's these real severe kind of flaws that like, okay, well, you know, that, that can be common for a young big man, but maybe not uh not have it be that big of a problem all the time and i don't know what i'm doing with this guy i i've got him in the second right now because i'm just kind of like hey prove me wrong uh but yeah very very inconsistent um but i mean the flashes are are exciting they're just so few and far between what what are you doing with where um i just i need to see it man yeah, yeah like yeah. i that's where I'm I'm at, you know, Indiana. We've already talked about them when we broke down uh, McKenzie's game uh, the, the other day. I just Indiana doesn't have a proven track record to turn these dudes around. Uh, Kolo where already didn't fit in a very confusing, like you mentioned, Oregon situation where there was this like kind of center by committee. I, I questioned the commitment there whenever it happened and Unfortunately, it was kind of proven right, and I don't like that. You know, I would much rather the other thing happen where he explodes. He is the rival to Derek Lively that everyone kind of labeled that he would be last mm-hmm. year, and look at where the two are now. You know, so um, his game does appear to be modern uh, because of the willingness to shoot from deep. But I just I don't love the way he moves on the floor, man. Like he just if we're gonna look at him as a malleable big, is like this kind of like offensive game where he can stretch the floor and then defensively where he can kind of protect and roam and reject everything. I just, I'm not a fan of the way that he moves on the court, man. He seems like he's a bit too slow to do what he's trying to do to get to the NBA. So although I'm not a big fan of how Indiana has, has developed, I do think that teaching him to be a little bit more under the basket teaching him to be a little bit more around the rim based and grow in strength and his ability to be a rim deterrent, not just be like this kind of roaming free safety on defense, but to be like the backbone that a defense is built around. Maybe coach Woodson's able to do that, man, but I think effort is a skill. And right now he just, that's a part of his game that needs to develop, man. Because he really floats like, and it happens on offense too. Like it's not just yeah. a defense thing. Like there'll be times where I'll just like get the ball and just kind of shoot it. It just doesn't feel like the motor is where it needs to be. And how many, how many NBA bigs do you watch on a night to night basis where you worry about their motor? I mean, I think the epitome of the motor concern would be DeAndre Ayton, who. Yeah, just yeah. kind of got ran out of Phoenix, but mm-hmm. Portland's willing to give him the keys. But he also put up crazy numbers, like for his motor to be cold and him still, yeah, and for him to be able to put out the output. I got here just like eighteen and ten, yeah, correct. You know, Joel Embiid once upon a time had his motor question when he was averaging like twenty two and twelve. Like for those guys' motors to not be running, they're still putting up ridiculous levels of output. Whereas Kolo, where you're not being able to beat up Nate Biddle, who was a highly regarded recruit in his mm-hmm. class. And Nafali Dante, who, like you said, is a really great college guy. But, I mean, these aren't dudes that you're beating out for NBA jobs. Like, you can't beat these dudes out for college basketball jobs. 
You know what I mean? And yeah. like that's kind of hard to sell me on that just transferring away from that situation is automatically going to make you better. Now, Walker Kessler kind of did a similar thing yeah, when he yeah. was at North Carolina, went to Auburn, the rest is history. Maybe we can kind of see the same thing here for Khalil Ware, but there's a whole nother level of situations and circumstances and concerns that I have for Ware than I did for Kessler when he transferred. Yeah. And I, and I, I'm, I'm just going to end on, on this. Cause I don't want to like keep jumping on a kid who, again, like, I am totally open to be proven wrong. Like I said, I'm agnostic. I'm not, I'm not a Colorado atheist. I'm not saying, no, 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 it's, it's not going to happen. It could happen. Yeah. It could 100% happen. Um, and he's in an environment where like, he's going to be the clear cut five. I think like him and Baco renew, like all those guys can play together and that's going to work and be fine. I think um, with eight and Embiid is like, okay, well they're bigs, but like they have their motors question. Like those guys just have things physically. The Colorado doesn't like, I really, yeah. I, I don't think he's super bouncy. He's not super quick. He's not super fast. And he's really not strong at all. So with Aiden and Embiid, it's like, well, at least if you get them on an island, like they're going to have something for you, whether it's like Embiid being as ridiculously mobile as he is for a man his size or with Aiden, it's just being like really strong. Like they're just things that they have that, and Aiden doesn't use that on offense. And that's part of the part of the problem is he's very content yeah. to, to launch a 10 foot floater all the time. But like, they just have a level of skill and physical gifts that I don't think Kalawar has. I think Kalawar is going to be pretty average athletically by NBA standards. And in that case, that that means the skill and the attention to detail and the work uh, work rate on, on the floor just really has to click. So I'm, I'm open to it. I, I hope it does happen because I think he could be a really interesting player. But right now he's a guy I'm, I'm going to kind of sag on to start the year. Um, Same. Ryan Dunn. Is a mm. really interesting one. So he's at Virginia, 6'8, 210, big, long, has that dog in him. Uh, gets up really well, uh, can really generate some putbacks, super explosive as a leaper. Uh, will take off like from so far away on cuts or on drives, and it's like, uh oh, that's a bad idea. And that's like, oh, no, finished it. Uh, yep. I think that he can sort of do a little bit with the ball in his hands. So okay. there was a game. I can't remember who it was like whatever his best game was. It was against like a tiny division one. So a grain, grain of salt here. Sure. Um, but I thought that he saw the floor pretty well and like feels pretty comfortable dribbling. He can be a little bit wide as a driver, but I, I think he can at least swing the ball. Um, defensively, okay. that's like the good stuff, right? Like he's tough. He's nasty. Uh, had had Jalen Slauson kind of real clamps on him for stretches during their game against Furman. Uh, just a real deal NBA mover and NBA size player on that side of the floor. Uh, takes up a ton of space off the ball with like his movement, his skill and his speed. I think the biggest thing that stuck out, um, obviously like his instincts around the rim are good. Like his, his timing for when to strip or jump a passing lane is really good. His balance is absurd. Like he yep. will move at such high speed. And if he needs to change directions or shift gears or whatever, like, it looks like in in like those old we're gonna age ourselves here, Stephen. Back in like Madden 03, when you could play Ooh, or an okay. NBA Live, and you could play with unlimited turbo and just yep. like go in any direction you wanted and stay at full speed the whole time. Like that's the kind of stuff that, that Ryan Dunn's able to do. Um I worry that we are and I say we, like anybody that's just kind of in the draft space, like a lot of places have them in the first round or early second. My concern is just like, are we basing this off of too little? This is a guy that played 12 minutes a game last year, scored under three points per game. 
50% at the free throw line on, on low volume, took half a three per game and shot 13 point, 31.3%. Um, shoots with a very wide base. Like, are we, are we sure that th- this isn't just like a really good defender that might not have anything on offense? Like, that is my concern. I'm willing to be a bit more optimistic because, like I said, I think in the games where he did get to do some things, I think he showed like at least a baseline level of competency. Um, but he's also like old for his class. And I'm just like, I, I don't know. Like, is this a guy where the offense is really just not going to be there? Maxwell, we are basing it off too little, but you know what? That's what we do. It's preseason. Yep. All these freshmen have not played. We're basing first <laughs> round true. picks and number one overall picks yep. on players that haven't even taken an NCAA court yet. But so to answer your question, yes, we're basing it off of too little, but we all like what we see, man. Like it's mm-hmm. it's really hard to see what the NBA values and then a look at a player like Ryan Dunn and be like, nah, you know, like to quote, uh, you know, Captain America. No, I don't think that I will. You know, like NBA teams just <laughs> yeah. aren't, they're not going to do that, man. Like one thing that I'm just like a big fan of is looking on film and just be like, who looks like they belong on an NBA court yeah. on the floor? And Ryan Dunn looks like an mm-hmm. NBA player on the court. You know, uh, I love the leaping, the sliding, the tenacity, you know, uh, very switchable on the defensive side of the ball. He does need to do more as a connector, but I think that, he he can right like this is a sophomore season yes i get that he's a little bit old to be a sophomore or whatever but like to me i value like not so much the age but like the year of experience that you're in so like second year of college basketball like he can continue to improve in that regard i do like the the shot uh i think that he's gonna get the trey murphy the third comparison a lot because Mm -hmm. he is gonna be like really strong defender really decent three-point shooter, uh, what else can you do type player. And Trey Murphy went crazy high. I have Ryan Dunn probably too low for where he's likely to get drafted. If he everything, let's just say he hits his median outcome on what everybody is projecting, right? I have him like 30th on my board right now because we are basing it off of like a very small sample size. But I do want to say that like, I think that he is a first round talent. I just think that based on where I have him and if he just kind of does everything that I think he can, he's just going to be like one of these natural risers on the board because of his size, because of the tools that he has, because of the the ready-made skill set that he has of being a really good defender, really good athlete, and a really good shooter. Like, I don't care that if like I'm evaluating everybody in this class, Maxwell, and I'm looking at him and Justin Edwards and I'm like, well... I think that Justin Edwards can be a really good second or third option in the NBA, maybe even a first if everything hits right. But, you know, Ryan Dunn, you're probably going to be like the fifth or sixth man on a really good team. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to just say that because you're not Justin Edwards that I'm that I'm out on you, although you play the same position, your same build, because you do bring something incredibly valuable to the table. Like you can't compare him to other archetypes. In a, in a draft class and just slide him down the board, right? So I think that that's going to be where people kind of differ on where he lands on their big boards a little bit. I'm just incredibly high on what he can bring to an NBA team already. And I do want to see that. I do want to see it ramp up. I do want to see the improved sample size. But based on all indications that we've heard already coming into the year, 
and what we saw last season. The no ceilings title is kind of like apropos for a guy like Ryan Dunn, I feel. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to see what he looks like because it's it seems like he should have a pretty big, big role. Um I was also just like not a big key high Clark fan uh at yeah. all. So I think things kind of flowing through Beekman will be at least a little bit more under control this season. Um, so I, I, I Virginia is going to be a really interesting team to, to watch. Uh, so that does it for ba- group one of the returners. You mm-hmm. have more returners next week, guys. We have first round grades on lots of good guys uh, still coming down the pike. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but let's talk about what we've got in the works. So uh, my stuff will already be out. So I'll get that out of the way quick. I uh, got an interview with Spencer Jones. Uh, and an article about Spencer Jones, who is at Stanford. He's going to be a graduate. Um, A guy I chose to write write about because this offseason I was doing kind of database work, and I realized that he graded out favorably compared to NBA forwards who got second contracts in terms of three-point percentage, three-point volume, steal rate, and block rate. So in a 3 and D league, a guy that's six foot seven, 225 pounds, and is really good at uh, shooting threes on high volume and playing defense. Uh, seemed like somebody that we should be talking about. So I uh, did a feature on him. Uh, and then also coming soon on No Ceilings Plus, uh, we've got more stones on turn. So stay tuned for that. But Steven, uh, we're putting this out on Tuesday. So this is your day. What what can people go see if they go to NoCeilingsNBA.com right now? Well, if you go to NoCeilingsNBA.com where you can still get, you know, around the week free content, mm-hmm. Um, at nosingsmb.com you should go check it out if you haven't already subscribe while you're there um you can see an article of a full prospect breakdown of Yukon Husky freshman Jaden Ross all right uh, to accompany that there will also be on the podcast feed a about 25 minute interview that I got with a uh, said freshman Jaden Ross so both of those things will be out today you should go and check those things out love the kid um maxwell you would you would like him a lot he's one of these started his high school playing uh journey at five foot eight and has since grown to six foot seven love the growth spurt guys yep the growth spurt guys with guard skills getting better um is there obviously there's a little bit of uh kind of adversity that he'll have to face he's going to a really good team with uh, a lot of you know returning players and transferring players but I honestly feel like based on everything that I've heard from him, his camp, you know, the university, and then just watching the film, like seeing the things that this kid is doing, like you can understand why the recruitment process was a little bit slow and it was due to the growth spurt. And Maxwell kind of, I'll, I'll dive a little bit into the article, something I'll touch on, like the impact of COVID is still lingering, right? Like not just in terms mm-hmm. of like a health thing, but like people, the way that players were recruited, um, the level of you know visibility that they that they received during the pandemic. Uh, Jaden Ross is one of these guys where I feel like people are going to watch him and they're going to be like, "Holy smokes! Like, where did this kid just kind of come from out of nowhere?" Go and watch his film, man. Like six foot seven, sweet shot, uh, good ball handling, uh, improving as a defender. Like, and UConn is going to Coach Hurley is going to get every ounce of potential from this kid i'm just i'm excited for him and his season i'm excited for everyone to go check out the work yeah i'm excited for that too and i think the code point make is a really good one and like it was interesting so like when i talked to spencer jones it was something different where he was just talking about like not really playing very much his freshman sophomore year because he went to like a really loaded high school and with the recruiting mm-hmm. process like 
so much of it happens early. Like recruiting services, colleges, they make up their minds about guys really early on in the process. So oftentimes it is like these late growth spurt guys or guys that don't click until later on that really tend to sneak up on people. Uh, so he's a guy I haven't done a ton of work on. And like, I, I knew that you had something kind of cooking with him. So I sort of put it off on purpose. Cause I was like, I want to see, I want to hear this. I want to kind of get an idea as to, to what I'm getting into. I've looked at, at the other UConn freshman except him solely just cause I want to kind of get, get your take on it before I go into the film. So I'm really excited for that one. So go check it out, both the written content and the podcast and everything will all be up. So that does it. So in the meantime, uh, follow Steven at CVG hoops on Twitter, follow no sings at no sings NBA, follow me at found boards and uh, yeah, go to no Make sure to subscribe, subscribe to the podcast feed rate and review. It helps people find us. And if you're so inclined, no ceilings plus uh, for extra bonus content, $8 a month uh, and the YouTube channel, no ceilings uh, TV on YouTube. So that does it. We appreciate yeah. you guys tuning in uh, to draft sickos and we'll see you all next week. Stay Maui strong, y'all.